What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and welcome to 305 Culture, a podcast where you'll feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of 305 Culture. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Knock a Few Buck, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, and At The Buzzer. Plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, The CoachMaze.com Podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, The Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. With the start of the NBA season in full swing, we invite you to come and hashtag prop op on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in a respective sport. For example, in the NBA, you choose 5 out of the 10 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points the selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and has thousands more guaranteed for the NBA this season. Use promo code JIMMY, that's J-I-M-M-Y, when you sign up today and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and hashtag PropUp today. What's up everyone? I'm your host JJ Rivera and welcome to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Alright, let's review the Heat's week, previous week. The Miami Heat played only two games due to the All-Star break and they went one-on-one on the week with a loss to the Hawks, and a win against the Pelicans on national TV. We're going to start off with the Heat and Hawks game. They're going to break down the Heat-Pelicans game after the break. We're not going to award, award the Heat player of the week due to the shortened week. But we're going to take a look at the second half schedule and highlight some stretches and some games that we should we should watch out for. And finally, we're going to discuss some of the Heat's rumored targets to add to the roster this coming season. So, let's get down to it. Let's start off with the Heat and the Hawks. No Jimmy again for that game. Goran started the game. And the game start the Heat started off, I think it was a microcosm of how the offense did this game. Kelly threw an air ball three. The Heat had a, a pretty good defensive plan. Nope. Curiously, the Heat did not allow... 100 points to to neither team in the previous week. The Heat are, are a very good defensive team. The Pelicans are admitted, uh, 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 albeit they were without Zion Williamson, but still it was a pretty good job by the Heat to hold those Pelicans to less than 100 points, and they held the Hawks to less than 100 too. However, the offense was a big issue in this game. The Heat Bigman, they... You know, Miami, they defended pretty well against Trey Young in the previous game, in which which they won. 
but he but Young adjusted and he was finding his big men for easy baskets. Clint Capella was getting met whenever somebody since the Heat were playing zone most a lot of the time the and they sold out to stop Trey Young from shooting it from three or getting by them. He he's like he's a really good passer and he was finding his open teammates. Clint Capella was the beneficiary of of some of those assists. Most of those assists, Clint Capella played really well against the Heat. Duncan made a three with the shot clock about to expire, and it was a bailout shot. It was from way outside, and he had a defender right in his neck, and he still made it. And, you know, in the first quarter, the offense looked, well, it was still bad, but it was not as bad as the rest of the game. Duncan flashed from passing ability, playing a good, doing a good job finding Bam near the paint for a bucket. And, again, the, the offense... Another microcosm of how the offense went that that night. Hero shot a wedgie in that first quarter. John Collins, there was a position where he got triple team and he still made it. I really would like John Collins to be a Miami Heat player. I think he should he should be he's a I think he's a really good fit alongside Bam for the front court of the future and either the tra- in the trade deadline or the off season we should absolutely pursue him. The Hawks were finding mismatches and making the Heat pay, as I said. Since they were doubling Trey Young, that obviously op- opens up the defense to some problems. Big men might get matched up with guards, and if you have a good pa- a good point guard, you know, a good playmaking point guard like Trey Young is, he he should find them, and you're gonna make the defense pay. So the first quarter ended with Atlanta ahead by six, twenty-three to seventeen. Now in the second quarter, we saw some Gabe Vincent. He he's driving to the he in this game he drive he was driving to the rim with more confidence, you know he's not just a shooter, well not a really good shooter this season but you know mostly we see him settling for three point shots but he, you know he shows some flashes of driving to the rim. Iguodala it was a really good possession by Iguodala where he found a back Duncan Robinson backdoor cut and Duncan finished. Iguodala has still. The best hands I've ever seen a player have. Those hands are golden, and they are crucial on defense. Max Drews came in in order to try to spark up the the offense, but the but the Heat offense started to come alive a little bit. But still, it was only a twenty point quarter for the Miami Heat, and the defense needed did its job, but the offense needed to wake up, and you know. The Hawks, the Hawks were making their shots because Trey Young came back, came back in. There were there was a point where Trey Young sat down in the second, and the offense started to sputter. Rasha Rondo was in charge of managing the offense and even made a three, but it it wasn't it wasn't flowing as well as it could have. The Heat were struggling mightily. The second quarter, by the by, what point? One point at the second quarter, they were shooting two for fifteen from three. That and the only two three pointers were tough shots from Max Truss and Duncan Robinson. So it wasn't like they those two makes were really good looks. They were tough shots made by really good shooters. And the Hawks ended the half with a seven point lead, forty four to thirty seven. Now in the third quarter, you know it was the you know we're we're used to seeing third quarters from the Miami Heat, but. 
Curiously, this was the best quarter of the game for them. Trey Young made start of the the half with a three point bomb, and it was an absolute bomb, like almost Damian Lillard range. Miami went on a nineteen nothing run in the third. Adjustment the the adjustments worked out pretty well. But however, the Hawks kept finding their big men matched up against guards Miami's guards in the paint. John Collins, and I believe it was like I think it was like three possessions in which. He got matched up with Kendrick Nunn, and he went to the post and worked and worked it. The three points started to flow for Miami, and Tyler Hero had a really good quarter. He had three three pointers in the third quarter. So by that in that quarter, Tyler had more three pointers than the entire Heat team had in the first half. And the Heat ended the the third quarter with a three point lead, sixty six to sixty three. But the fourth quarter, this might be Miami's worst quarter of the season. You know, excluding that Bucks game. But the the offense was, was atrocious. Only fourth, 14 fourth quarter points for Miami. 14. In today's NBA, that's not going to cut it. And, you know, from this game, Bam has been, was on the injury report, but he did play. But something did not look, look right with him. I think he was more hurt, more hurt than they were letting on. And he ended up missing the next game against the Pelicans. Which, you know, works out for him because he gets the long layoff. of They get the long one-week layoff. So they get to rest. Get, get healthy. Maybe Bradley come, come, could come back in that time frame. I hope so. He's the I think he's the only guy that's out right now with an injury. Because Chris Silva is now healthy. But, man... I think Bam was was pretty injured. He wasn't as aggressive. He had some a little bit of trouble finishing. And you know that fourth quarter was was not good. But Bogdan Bogdanovich he, he he came back from a really long injury absence. He made two straight three pointers for the Hawks in that fourth quarter fourth quarter and the and the Hawks offense never looked back. Trey Young came alive in that quarter. The Heat were doing an outstanding. They did an outstanding job defending Trey Young for seven quarters, but not in that final quarter. And there was a stat from the broadcast: six threes from for Atlanta in the fourth quarter, and three of them came from Trey Young. It was the definition of an ugly, ugly quarter for Miami. The offense went absolutely was absolutely frozen. And Bam, I wrote in my notes that. I was really worried about Bam because he looked more. He looked, look, he couldn't move. Like it was not the like he could move, but he wasn't as aggressive. Maybe he was laboring a bit, but he has he did not look good on offense that night. And the Hawks ended up winning ninety four to eighty. That's not that's uh, probably our worst offensive game of the season. The winning streak stops at six. The Heat shot thirty seven percent from the field during that game. That's horrible. Only nine three-pointers for Miami. Nine for 33 shooting. Not going to cut it either. However, there was a positive. Only seven turnovers. Still, another stat from the broadcast that I saw. The Heat are winless when they have less than 10, 10 turnovers. I don't think there's correlation between that. Well, maybe because you know the when the ball moves, we're prone to some turnovers. That's the only like possible explanation that I could come up with. But still, 
Seven turnovers, that's a remarkably low number, especially for a team that has turned it over so much this season. We're, we're now, we're still in the bottom, in the bottom three in the league in terms of turning the ball, ball over per game. 26 total rebounds from Miami. Wow. That was, I, I mean, this was a, a really bad effort from the Heat. And maybe some credit to Atlanta because this was the game right after Lloyd Pierce got fired. Nate McMillan was named interim head coach. So I think that the Hawks were playing really hard for the new coach. Teams usually do that. They play hard for the new coach. And, you know, bad game for the Heat. We move. Now, on to the Heat-Pelicans game. Jimmy returned, but Bam was out. So that opened the door for Casey Akpaw to start. However, he did not play that much. This was, But this was the Kelly Olenek game. Shout out to my friend, the Common, C- the Common Sense Heat fan, a fellow Puerto Rican. been talking to him a lot. He He's the one that that's actually showed me the the value of Kelly Olenek because I was one of those Kelly Olenek skeptics, but... I'm I'm starting to come around with him. He Kelly was on fire. He showed a beautiful stroke to start the game. You know he was. I think this was this was Kelly playing more freely freely because he wasn't particularly boxed in to a particular role. He could play more freely on offense since the Heat needed him to do that because Jimmy Butler was the you know with Jimmy Butler being the best player. I'm clearly on the floor when Bam was out. You know, the other guys, Goran can make some shots. And Kendrick is a bit hot and cold. And the defense will do absolutely everything in their power to stop Duncan Robinson. So, you know, that opened up the, the door for Kelly. And he took advantage of it. Duncan made a made a three in the first quarter. And all points, at one point, no, point, no pun intended, all, all points came from... Kelly Olenek and Duncan to start the game. Jimmy finally scored and it was on a fast break layup. Again, he was came off a steal where he played the passing lanes so well. I don't think there's anybody in the league that plays the passing lanes as well as Jimmy Butler does. Much better shooting for Miami compared to the last game. Much, much better shooting. And Kelly Kelly actually showed some some really good passing chops. He made a nice read to find KZ, but KZ ended up getting blocked. But still it was a nice pass from Kelly. It was, if I remember correctly, Kelly. The defense showed high against Kelly, and two defenders were drawn to him. So, and it was also a really nice read by Casey Paul because he cut to the basket, and Kelly made a really nice pass to find, to find him. But he ended up getting blocked. Still, good play, and Precious, very active on the boards and inside. And Kelly, he finished the quarter perfect from the field. And Miami. As a result, as a result, excuse me, finished with a 31 to 15 lead. Now in the second quarter, Goron was much more aggressive. However, the offense sputtered, sputtered a little bit, and the Pelican offense started to come alive. Goran, the, the first possession, Goron got the Colomelian on the perimeter, and he took advantage of that speed mismatch, took him right to the basket. There was a particular play. This the second quarter, I think the off the ball movement was outstanding for the Heat. In this game. First off we have an off the ball screen from Duncan to free up. Precious for a layup. It was it was it was set at the top of the key. And Precious cut to the basket. And since Duncan is 
The defense is so active on Duncan Robinson. I think it's particularly smart for him to set screens because uh, he draws so much attention that the other players can cut freely to the basket. Off the ball movement, one of the best in the league for this Miami Heat team. Again, a flare screen from Kendrick Nunn frees up Duncan for a layup. Again, the attention that Duncan bring draws. When when Duncan's on the floor, they, the defense always st- thinks about stopping the three, and Duncan has done a pretty good job in some game. On some occasions, I would like to see him do it more often. Or when he receives those flare screens, he cuts to the basket instead of staying at the three-point line, because he gets he prop he almost always get wide open wide open layups because the defense is so worried about him shooting a three that he can just cut to the basket. And you know, the Pelicans. Aside from that first half, the Pelicans did a pretty good job of uh, on staying with Duncan Robinson. And I don't, I don't know if the listeners remember, Duncan Robinson was scorching hot in the Christmas Day game against the Pelicans, which the Miami Heat won. But Duncan Robinson killed them in that game. So you know, good job by the Pelicans to adjust against him. The zone broke down in a particular possession, and Stephen Adams got an easy layup. Again, the zone requires a lot of communication sometimes. There's some miscommunication. It all falls apart. Kendrick found Jimmy on a lob. It was really exciting. I really wish that Jimmy doesn't miss any more games in the second half of the, of the season because we really need him. And, you know, I wrote something down that every time Bledsoe put up a three, that was a huge win for the defense. Or Bledsoe is not a good shooter. And, the and you know, the Heat defense were, was doing a really good job of Keen on Alonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, Ingram, and letting Arapleto take whatever he wanted. He will not, he will not make, he will not make you pay more often than not. And the Heat ended the half with a 55 to 45 lead. Now the third quarter, I noticed something that KZ did not play much in the first half, even though he started. You know, he seemed a bit, bit hesitant in some possessions to shoot the ball. There was a, I remember there was a position in particular. Where he was wide open and he passed it up because he he didn't decide quickly enough if he was going to shoot it and the defense was already set and he had to pass it up. Those are the types of mistakes that get you benched. But still, we're, um, we're rooting for you, Casey. We're really rooting for you. Casey made a three in that third quarter, but Kendrick Nunn had a, a possession where he Played some really poor defense because he fouled a three-point shooter. And that three-point shooter was Eric Bledsoe. You do not race out to a perimeter to contest Eric Bledsoe. Because that's... I consider that... You you could consider that poor defense. You could better save that energy. I don't know. Guarding other, other Pelican resources on offense. Kelly was excellent. Really excellent in that game. He He was passing the ball well. He was shooting it well. The TNT feed was really bad. They were constantly losing. They were constantly losing their, their, the Grant Hill feed, and Brian Anderson at one point lost his feed too. So it was just Grant Hill, and it was it was really bad because sometimes, sometimes the, you know there was there will be some really awkward silences, and sometimes they, they would just. <laughs> there would there would there would be the sounds of the of the people on the court, and oh man, it was it was really 
It was really tough to see. So anyway, moving on to the fourth quarter. Oh, by the way, I almost forgot. Josh Hart made a half-court shot to end the quarter. And, you know, the Heat, instead of having a seven-point lead, entered the fourth with a four-point lead. And that made the fourth quarter, I think, unnecessarily stressful. Because we were in pretty good shape. But, you know, the Heat, but the Pelicans decided to make a half-court shot. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really, I didn't, (laughs) it was a really good shot by Josh Hart. But, you know, we ended up winning the game. Fourth quarter. Gorham starts off with a rainbow three over Jackson Hayes. Igudala also made a three off a Goran driving kick. Goran started off the quarter really well. He was he was schooling he was schooling rookie the rookie Kyra Lewis on the post. He was getting layups or free throws, but the Pelicans started to come back. Jimmy made a very very tough shot over Josh Josh Hart, and there was a position where Igudala almost posterized someone. I'm pretty sure he would have done it seven years ago. He got fouled in the play, but he went he came up just short, dunking that ball. But real ones remember. How good of a dunker Andre Iguodala was way back in the day. Back in his Sixers days and his, and his Denver Nuggets days. Jimmy seemingly had a four-point play, but he had a toe on the line, so they ruled it a three-point play. But still, he got fouled shooting a jump shot, and it was really exciting. Jimmy was outstanding in that fourth quarter. He made a clutch three, and you know he kept the Pelicans at bay. Once again, Iguodala's hands... Outstanding, and Bam's absence was most notable in the rebounding department, particularly in the fourth quarter. Stephen Adams was grabbing offensive rebounds, since you know the biggest lineup we had on the floor consisted of, you know, in, in on the in the fourth quarter in the in crunch time we had Kelly Olynyk, Andre Iguodala, Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic, and Duncan Robinson. So you know that's not a particularly good rebounding lineup. Maybe the best rebounder in the lineup is Jimmy Butler, but he's not. He's not a. He's not very tall. He's really strong, but he's not very tall. So, going up against a Stephen Adams, he's gonna get out rebounded most of the time. Anyway, Miami won one hundred three to ninety three. Back on track, we entered the the All Star break with a five hundred record at eighteen nineteen. Forty nine percent shooting for Miami. Ten three pointers. Eh. Ten turnovers. Really solid once again. Limiting the turnovers, 41 rebounds for Miami, and let's get head into the break. After the break, I'm going to get my thoughts on the All-Star game. We're going to take a look at the Heat second half schedule, and then we're going to discuss some potential Heat targets. So stick around for more 305 Culture Talk. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. 
And we're back. Okay. Let's talk about the All-Star Day. Because it wasn't exactly All-Star Weekend. The Skills Challenge. Two big men in the final. Again. I think that speaks to how skilled today's players are. I don't think a big man would have had a chance in, a, in previous seasons. The Skills Challenge. So, Demonis Sabonis who lost last year to Bam Adebayo in the final, wins it. I would really like to see Bam compete next year to win another another Skills Challenge championship. And if he gets to go against Sabonis, that would be pretty cool too. Vucevic was in the final. I really thought that, you know, my sleep, my, I was rooting for Randall, but he got eliminated early. So, whatever. But that was, that was, you know, I don't, I think I like more the old format for the skills challenge. You know, the one where they timed you and you had to beat the time. Those were the days where, you know, we had Darren Williams, Steve Nash. I I think the Steph Curry won once. LeBron Wade won a couple of those. That was I think that was much more exciting than having two guys run on opposite, opposite sides of the court and just start heaving it from three. But, you know, still pretty exciting. Now, the real event of the night, the three-point contest. Now, that was exciting. This, you know, the three-point contest, I think, has been the main event for about eight to ten, to ten years now. The three-point contest is, I think it's always been really exciting due to its nature. And Steph Curry won it, but that, that was a really that was a really good contest. Mike Conley put up a really good fight in the final against Stephen Curry. And Steph actually missed his first four shots in the final round, and he kind of looked like he could be in trouble. But then, as the announcing team mentioned, all he all he needs to do is see one go in. And that's what happened. And well, Mike Conley, there was a that was a pretty good contest. But you know, Steph Curry's the greatest shooter to have ever lived. And that man, and and it, and it came down to a final shot. But we deep down we all knew that shot was going in. Came down to the final money ball. But man, that was that was really fun. I really really liked the three point contest. Now on to the actual game. That game, the the start of that game, oh my lord, that was a now that was a start. That game was something in the beginning. People were throwing the ball away. They were trying their best. They, they clearly did not want to play. I mean, LeBron sat out the entire second half. He didn't he didn't want anything to do with it. Giannis went hard. He won the MVP. Went perfect from the. I actually had told my friend before the game that Giannis was my pick for MVP. So shout out to David. But, you know, that was, aside from, you know, the half-court heaves from between Curry and, and Lillard. And, you know, Led GM, he's undefeated in the new format. For a no. You know, LeBron might actually make a pretty good team governor one day. I really hope he wants, he one day buys a team. We need more. We need more former players in ownership groups. So... The game was all right. I'm, you know what? I'm, you know what? Um, I was a bit pissed that Bam didn't get didn't get selected last week. 
But now I'm, I'm relieved that they didn't have to go to Atlanta, spend a couple of meaningless days there, when they could get some really well-needed rest. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons got really well-needed rest because they they were out of the game due to contact tracing issues with a barber, I think it was. So they stayed in their hotel room. So good for them. I mean, I guess not good for them because they they were confined to a hotel room in Atlanta and they couldn't really do anything. I think I would rather I much would much rather spend that time at home with my family. And you know, I was discussing this with my friend. The assistant coaches and the all-star coaching staffs, they really I think they're the the ones that get they're the ones that get that get screwed over. Because, you know, the head coach, he's mostly there to maybe draw a play or two or just like motivate the guys and make some substitutions. But the assistant coaches, you know, what what are what did they do? Those, you know, maybe if they have some guys from their teams there, you know, spend some time with them. Maybe the, the Jazz staff spend some time with, with Gobert. And, you know, but, man, that's, that doesn't seem, they don't seem to be really necessary. I would rather have them stay home and spend that time with their families. Anyway, the game ended. Team LeBron scored 170 points. Which, you know, still doesn't come close to the record of most points scored in a game. I think it was the Detroit Pistons or the Denver Nuggets scored once 186 points. One day I want to see an all-star game go to 200. I really would like to see some some team go to 200. Maybe not. it is not possible with the new format, the Elam ending. But that would be, that would be something. I really want to see... Who will be the first team to score 200 points in a game? We should be watching out for that because I think we're closer than we think. Maybe not in a regular season game. Certainly not in a playoff game. But in an all-star game, I think it could be possible. Now let's look at the Heat's second half schedule. We have the second easiest schedule in the NBA, according to, to the metrics. Some games to watch for. The Heat and the Suns on March 23rd. And the Heat and the Blazers on March 25th. Both of those games are in Miami. Both teams are really good. Star point guards. Well, and the, and the Suns have two star guards and one really good center. I'm really looking forward to the Bam Adebayo-DeAndre Aiden matchup. DeAndre Aiden is a really good rebounder. But his game, he sometimes settles. So I think that could play to Bam's advantage. He's, I, would, I want to say he's taller than Bam. So I, what I really want to see is how we defend at the point of attack. Because Chris Paul and Devin Booker are really good, are excellent. They're, they're two all-stars. Chris Paul, once again, having another all-NBA caliber season, even at age 35. I think he's the guard that has aged the best in NBA history. The be, You know, small guards usually don't age that well, but Chris Paul has aged like fine wine. And that has been really cool to see. You know, even, you know, he's still getting paid a ton of money that, you know, he's probably, at this point, not, he doesn't bring that type of value to the table of 40-something million dollars. But he's probably the greatest floor racer in NBA history. Well, aside from LeBron James, whatever, whatever Chris Paul goes, his team win. The Hornets, his team won. The Clippers, 
again, the Rockets 2, Thunder, and now the Suns. Chris Paul is a winner. And I think that his Hall, you know, he's first ball Hall of Famer. But his all-time case should be strengthened by this strong season. And if he has at least one or two more strong seasons, I think he, his standing amongst the top point guards in NBA history gets even stronger. So, moving on to the Heat Blazers on March 25th. Damian Lillard has put together an MVP caliber campaign. And he goes up, goes up against a good defense in the Miami Heat. Again, how do we defend at the point of attack? Damian Lillard might be the second best point guard in the NBA. One of the best scoring point guards in the, the NBA has ever had. He's one of the... he He's lights out. You need to guard him from half court. Because he'll shoot it from there and he'll make it. So that stretches the defense a bit. Maybe we might see the 2-2-1 court press that the Heat like to deploy at times. I would, I would like to see how they how they do that. In the front court, you know, Yusuf Nurkic against Bam. Against Bam and Kelly. That's something to watch for. Carmelo Anthony off the bench. He has been quite alright for, for the Blazers. So that would be interesting to see. Now here's a, a tough stretch. I think this is the toughest stretch of the second half for the Miami Heat. From March 19th to April 1st. Here's what we face. The Suns and the Blazers, I've already mentioned. The Pacers thrice. And the Pacers, they're not a bad team. They're, they've been reeling, reeling lately. But they are still, I consider them to be a top 8 team in the East. And the fact that we face them thrice, it's going to be tough to win. To win, to beat them three times, and the and you know they're really motivated since the Miami Heat eliminated them in the first half, in the first round that previous playoffs. The Hornets, we get the we get to face off against Malik Monk again. I'm not looking forward to that. I never thought I would say that I would say those words, but um, I <laughs> Malik Monk killed us in that previous Heat Hornets game. We ended up losing. We had we, a game that we I thought we had in the bag. But we didn't. The Knicks. Third time this season we faced the Knicks. And the Warriors. In Miami. By far the toughest stretch of the second half. Well I wouldn't say by far. But that's a pretty tough stretch. Another game to watch out for. The Heat and the Lakers on April 8th. This time in Miami. The Heat won their previous meeting against the Lakers. Another finals rematch. You know the Heat will come out motivated. To beat the Lakers. But you know also that the Lakers will be very motivated to beat the Heat since they beat them in their own floor. And Anthony Davis, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure he's a, he's he's got a good chance of playing this game. He'll he's probably coming back after the All-Star break. And the Lakers with Anthony Davis are a whole different team. From April 8th to April 14th, another tough matchup. But this one is mostly due to the West the road trip. We face the Lakers at home, but then we go on a road trip against the Blazers, the Suns, Nuggets, and Wolves. So three of those teams, four of those teams, but you know, three of those road games are against playoff teams. Really good teams at that. And then we have the Wolves, who might be the worst team in the league. The Wolves game, you know, I guess the Bam against Cat, that could be good. There was a report that came out that the Heat are monitoring the Carl Anthony Tao situation up in Minnesota. But you know, you know what? We're being linked to every single good player. So, 
congratulations on your report. I don't think, you know, Carl Anthony Towns has a couple of years left in his contract. So he's just, well, we've seen James Harden showed us that if you really want out, you can get out. But Carl Anthony Towns doesn't seem like the type of guy to to do a, a Jimmy Butler or James Harden type of move. But, you know, we shouldn't even be discussing that. This is something that has, that's played in the NBA. You know, making rumors out of thin air. Or when, when, For example, the previous week, Stephen A. Smith mentioned that he would like to see Demi Lillard on the Knicks because he should ask out from the Blazers because he needs more exposure. That's not fair to Blazers fans. Blazers fans have seen Damian Lillard grow from from a star rookie to the superstar that he is today, MVP candidate. And you want to take that away from them? They've built a good team. Just because they're a small market doesn't mean that they don't deserve their superstar player. That's not fair to them. And why? Because the because you know the Knicks, because they're a big market team, they deserve to have Damian Lillard, even though they've they've had. 20 plus years of incompetence and suddenly they they deserve Damian Lillard? No. You earn your your players. If the player you earn the trust of superstar players for being a well-run organization. For example, the Miami Heat, you know, we have a I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to I'm not going to lie to you. We have the uh, we have a very a very free agent friendly city. Miami's got beautiful weather. No state tax in Florida. And the Heat are a great organization. That's what makes the Miami Heat attractive to those superstars. But just because the you know the national media is desperate for the Knicks to be really relevant, that they are making these things out of thin air, I think that's actually hurting the NBA. Because fans, some fans say, why should I tune in for? Because you know this guy is gonna could leave at any second to a New York, LA, Miami. Miami, just because that's and because Stephen A. Smith desires it, it's going to be all over ESPN. I think ESPN's NBA coverage, aside from Zach Lowe, I would catalog, categorize it as, as poor. Poor because they, you know, the hardcore fans, they, we, we, we don't get, you know, we don't get rewarded for being hardcore fans. It's just mostly appeals to casual fans. And, you know, Nikai Duncan has well-documented issues with the inside the NBA crew and how they cover the NBA, and I agree with them with him in most parts. National media, in general, aside from a few guys like Chris Herring and Zach Lowe, I would say they're doing a pretty poor job of covering the NBA, and it's hurting the hurting the, the product. Anyway, rant over. I'm gonna award the grade for the first half of the season for Miami. I'm going to be honest, I was really tempted to give an incomplete grade because this team has been ravaged by injuries and COVID. But, you know, I felt I felt like that was a cop-out. So I just awarded them a B-. Whenever Jimmy Butler plays, the Heat have looked really good. But Jimmy Butler has not been there for the majority of the games. So that's what makes this heat, this heat season really tough to grade. And, you know, this season in particular is really strange. But with Jimmy Butler's constant absence, Goran Dragic being absent, Tyler Hero being absent, Avery Bradley barely playing, you know, it was really hard to to degrade. Some positives. Bam Adebayo's growth. Keeps growing. No ceiling for Bam. You know, particularly that 41-point game against Brooklyn. 
He could be more aggressive. He has said it multiple times, but we actually need to see it. Be more aggressive whenever Jimmy is not on the floor. Kelly Olenek, I was ready to ship him off after that first Knicks game. But he has proven his value. Kendrick Nunn, you know, Kendrick Nunn is a bit of a wild card because you don't know which Kendrick Nunn you're getting every any every given night. You can get the Kendrick Nunn that lights out from three and from mid-range and driving to the basket and find his open teammates. And then or you can get the Kendrick Nunn that's very passive. He can make his shots and he gets attacked on defense. So some growth from the Heat's young players. The Tyler Hero point guard experiment, I wouldn't say it failed, but I would say that it needs more time and keeping him on the bench is best is his best role for now the it, and it's been proven constantly tyler and he he's embraced the bench role he said that oh he if he's going to be a six man he wants to be a really uh, the best six man that's the attitude and i think you know with the previous generation of players like manu ginobili heck even ray allen and shing Bally, those guys willing to take a step and Dwayne Wade too willing to take take a step back and start in a limited role I think that's taught these these guys that you can you don't need to be a a starter to be really effective and have a really long career in this league so here's to Tyler Hero either he becomes a really good starter or a super sub whatever benefits the team that's what I'm rooting for you now some potential names that have surfaced from Miami Larry Nance Jr. has been in I don't know why he's been mentioned as a potential trade target. I don't know why the Cavs would do that. But if we were to get Larry Nance, that would probably be the best defensive front court in the NBA between Jimmy Butler, Larry Nance, and Bam Adebayo. That would be something. Kyle Lowry, his name has been floating around. I would, I wouldn't say I, I would be surprised if he stays with the Raptors beyond deadline, beyond the deadline, but. I think it's more likely that he gets traded. And Blake Griffin, before he signed with Brooklyn, that he'd express interest. But he ultimately signed with Brooklyn. Ring chasing, baby. And you know what? I don't blame him. He's got... He's earned $255 million in his career. And he's still going to get paid around 30 for the next two seasons by Detroit. And he's going to get five from the Brooklyn Nets. So you know what? Good job. Good for him, for Blake Griffin. Let's take a look at the week ahead. The Heat are off until Thursday when they face the Magic and then they get the Bulls on Friday and Chicago. The Heat ranked 25th in offensive rating, 9th in defensive rating, 28th in turnovers per game, 15th in three-pointers made, 30th in offensive rebounds per game, and 27th in rebounds per game. I'm looking at the Magic game. I think we should absolutely win that. It will be a rematch of the opening game of the season. And the Bulls on Friday, you know, that could be a bit tricky. I would like to have Avery Bradley back on the lineup or to have a point of attack defender against Zach Levine. But I you know, I think we could we could win both of those games and close the week with a two and zero record. Move on to the second half of the season where we should be much better. Anyway, thank you for listening to the three oh five culture podcast. Subscribe to our feed wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at three oh five culture pod. You can also listen to us on Dash Radio via the nothing but net station every Wednesday at three AM. Wear your mask Keep your distance and watch the NBA. See you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. Wear your mask, keep your distance, and watch the NBA. See you next week.